This week's episode is the author's podcast about writing software. And in this week's episode, I'll be talking about different types of software so you can write your book. And now, let's start with the show. Hello and welcome to the author's podcast about the podcast where we journey together into the wonderful world of writing. Each week, this podcast will talk about a particular writing-related subject and teach you how to turn your idea into a book and then get it published with all of the steps along the way. Hosted by author Brett Jackson, this is the author's podcast about... Welcome. As usual, we start the podcast off with a what happened in my writer's life this week. So this week's been full of new experiences Um, for regular listeners of the show. And they'll know that I've experienced problems with my mobile phone provider. I've finally changed from my old mobile phone number to a new one and managed to keep the same number. All of my services that had broken at my old provider now work and I now have access to calls, data and texts. This means I can log into my author accounts which required text verification and my bank accounts and this means life can now continue again. Although I love technology, I really miss the days when life was easier without digital problems. Talking of technology, I decided to get myself a mobile phone. I already have one, but I wanted something a little less distracting. So I've chosen something that's not exactly top of the range. I've had those before, and this time it was something with a deliberate goal in mind. A couple of years ago, I went on a digital detox and bought a dumb phone to help with my concentration. It worked for a while, but typing on an old phone makes texting very laborious and difficult. So I went to look for an older smartphone that won't update and found myself a Windows Mobile. This thing is great. It calls, texts with a QWERTY keyboard, and I can use my calendar and contacts, and it even has MS Office built into it. The Microsoft App Store no longer connects, which means I cannot download social networking apps or any other such distractions, and I can now concentrate on work with my phone. As for banking, my other phone still allows me to do that. The Windows Mobile even has a removable battery, and if I want to replace it, it will cost me roughly 10 quid on eBay, so it's a win either way. I've just picked up a book called Extinct, and the author is R. R. Hayward. In the blurb, it talks about London in 2111, on the brink of annihilation, and how a group of people travel far into the future to prevent another apocalypse. It all sounds just the type of thing I'm into, so I'll be sharing what I think of it in future episodes. In other news, I went to Liverpool to do some writing in a coffee shop. Now, listeners of the show and people who know me are aware that I'm not allowed to drink caffeine. So, 
In coffee shops, my favourite non-coffee of choice is a hazelnut latte without coffee. This usually starts with a conversation about decaf and hot chocolate and other such drinks which still contain caffeine, but not enough to be on the label. I'm then told by an eager barista who's willing to help that I should ask for steamed milk or hazelnut milk or some other such title given to my non-coffee latte. The problem with this is each coffee shop has its own idea of what I should call it. And there are so many different titles, I can't remember them all. Now, my local coffee shop actually got so confused with prices and what to call my favourite drink, they ended up adding it to their button on their till. So, I just asked for a hazelnut latte without coffee, and they pressed the button, and that's that. Now, back to the coffee shop in question. I was absolutely blown away with the service. The server was very, very polite and got my order correct. Then, really surprised me when she asked me to pay only 55p for a great big two-handled bucket of frothy, non-caffeinated goodness. I did check the price with her and I was delighted when she told me that it was okay at 55p, considering I normally pay around £1.70. I sat down, enjoyed my drink and started writing this episode of the podcast. Once I'd finished, I headed off to the Philharmonic Hall and waited in a queue, then showed my ticket to have an audience with Margaret Atwood. The view was incredible. As I was right at the top and an aisle seat meant that I had plenty of room for my legs. Next, Margaret Atwood appeared on stage and was interviewed. She mentioned that it was her first time in Liverpool and that she'd been here a couple of days, even spending some time down by the docks. The interview talked about her books, including the newest one, Old Babes in the Wood, of which I had bought a copy in the lobby. Her latest book includes stories featuring Nell and Tig, George Orwell, Beloved Cats, a confused snail, and an alien tasked with retelling human fairy tales. Margaret was very well spoken and had a fair amount to say, not just about her books, but life in general. After about an hour, we went for a break and a QR code was put on a large screen, with the instructions that people could zap it and ask Margaret a question. During the intermission, My phone had no signal, so as others zapped the code, I whipped out my laptop and wrote some more of this podcast. The second half of the show was full of great questions and I learnt so much about her author life. All in all, it was a fantastic time and I can't believe I managed to get in and listen to this legendary lady for the price of just 20 quid. After we all left, I was asked by someone what I thought about it. My answer was, as a writer myself, I took so much inspiration from it. With that comment, I was asked what I write. And the next thing I knew, someone was taking a photo of my laptop, which is covered with stickers of my website and books. Later, on the way to the bus stop, 
I stopped for a pint as it was St. Patrick's Day and I got chatting to some more people from the show. I rolled into bed about midnight absolutely shattered but really excited and wide awake with what I'd seen and experienced. The whole evening was such a wonderful experience and as someone who hasn't really gone to pop concerts or anything else in the past, this was one of the most exciting things I've ever done. And that's the end of my writing life update this week. So let's crack on with today's episode, the author's podcast about writing software. In one of the earlier episodes, I mentioned that I have a love of computers, and that goes for software as well as hardware. Over the last couple of years, I've tried and tested many different types of writing softwares in my effort to find the best one suited for me. In this episode, I shall discuss the popular software suites and some that you may not have heard of, so that you can make the best choice based on my experiences. As a software lover, I've used many different types of operating system. I've tested all of these softwares on Windows, Mac OS, Linux, Chrome OS, Android and iOS. Microsoft Windows tends to be the favoured operating system these days. And although it comes pre-bundled on many computers, you can also build your own PC, download Windows for free from the Microsoft website and install it on your custom build. Or on a netbook or on a laptop. Please note, however, although you can download Windows for free, you will need to pay for a license key, unless it comes pre-bundled with your laptop. I've grown up with Windows since the 1990s, starting with Windows 1.0 and DOS 3.30, and used every version since. macOS is growing massively in popularity these days, and if you look around, you'll see it has plenty of writing software that you can download from the App Store as well as non-App Store websites. Apple make their own hardware, and although it's extremely well-made, of high quality and very durable, they're often very expensive and can cost up to 10 times the amount of other computers. They're also rather difficult to fix if they go wrong. Linux is not one that many have heard of, but... It's actually a very stable operating system, updated by volunteers and other organisations the world over. It's generally used for the main structure of the internet. In fact, this podcast is probably being served to you on a Linux computer. Surprisingly, there's actually quite a lot of writing software for Linux, both in graphical and terminal text formats. The great thing about writing in terminal programs is that the software is fast, saves to the local machine as well as the cloud, and doesn't use as much CPU, memory or battery. This means that you can set up a 100% distraction-free writing environment. Another good thing about this is that Linux runs on low-end computers, so you don't have to shell out thousands for something to write books on, and you can use Linux on almost pretty much every device. 
and you should be able to download some sort of Linux that you can try on your computer. You can install Linux to a USB stick, then boot it from the USB straight into the Linux live environment. What's great about the Linux live environment is it doesn't make any changes to your computer hardware or software. Instead, it runs everything in memory, which gives you a great chance to be able to test Linux to see if it's the sort of thing you'd like to use before you decide to install it. Linux doesn't tend to make its own computers, but the software is free to download and, in most cases, free to edit and recompile because it's open source. So if you really like tweaking, you can add stuff and rebuild the software to your liking. I've been using Linux since Red Hat 5.2 and these days my favourite Linux distro is Linux Mint. So any software I've tested and tried out for this episode has been tested on Linux Mint. Google's Chrome OS is created for use with small amounts of storage and great battery times. Most things you do are saved online. So if you're writing in Google Docs, their online word processor, for example, all of your typing can be saved automatically to the Google servers for free. This is great because if you lose your laptop or it breaks, you can simply log in via another Chrome browser and your stuff is easily accessible because it's saved to the cloud. It also means that you don't actually have to own a computer to write a book. Technically, you can actually log into your library's computer system, then log into your Google account, access your documents, and just carry on writing. Google also make their own computers. They're called Chromebooks, and they're very, very cheap. In fact, you can get one for around £100 in the UK. They provide very high battery times, such as I mentioned earlier, sometimes even up to 12 to 18 hours. I mean, that's incredible. These days, a lot of writing apps are in the cloud, which is great for saving documents. The good thing about this is you don't have to pay for the software and they get regular updates. However, these are only available if you have internet access. There is an offline mode for Google Docs, but sometimes I've found that it doesn't always work. There is a massive problem here though. With cloud storage, the big question is, what happens if the company closes? What happens with your data? Now we know a little bit about the operating systems, let's talk about the software I've tried. Google Docs is available on a computer, tablet, or a mobile device. Google provides a great suite of tools for free, which are fantastic for writing. Google Docs is their flagship for writers. It's fast to load, saves your documents instantly online, which means that you can view them in any browser or on any phone. Google Sheets is great for creating series Bibles, character sheets, world building, doing your accounts for your taxes, and much, much more. And I'll be going into those in a later episode. Google Keep allows you to keep notes scribbles, pictures, recordings, handwritten notes, and much, much more. 
great for when inspiration strikes and you just want to record what you're thinking about for later. Their Tasks app is a fantastic way to keep track of the work you're doing if you organise it in the right way. As writing software goes, you have quite a lot of options with document outlines, word count tools, dictionary, a chance to save as EPUB, the recognised ebook format, and much, much more. To access all these goodies, all you have to do is sign up to Google for a free account and they give you these tools absolutely free. They even give you space to be able to save all your stuff in online. Because it's viewable in your web browser, you can use this in Windows, macOS, Linux, Google Chrome, and they integrate seamlessly with each other. They're also available as Android and iOS apps for free on your mobile device. Very handy when you don't want to lug around your laptop. Collaboration is a fantastic thing. If you decide you want to write a book with a fellow author, Google Docs has got you covered. The pros for Google Docs? It's free. You can save online. You don't have to worry about saving your stuff or losing backups. However, there are a couple of things to think about. Number one, what happens if Google ever stops working as a company? What happens to your data? And two, Sometimes I've experienced problems where I've not been able to open my documents without an internet connection, even though they're supposed to open offline. Apple Pages. Also available on Apple's brand of computer, tablet and phone. Used to be a time when you used to have to pay for Apple Pages. Now it's bundled free with all new Apple devices from Macs, to iPads and even iPhones. They all seamlessly work through the iCloud. You don't need an internet connection to use Apple Pages. You can save directly to your laptop, to your iPad or your mobile device. Apple Pages uses its own file format, .pages, but you can export through the menu to .docx, which is MS Word compatible, ODT, PDFs, RTFs, and more. Pros of using Apple Pages? Fantastic, great to work with, bundles of options, and they sync flawlessly with all the other devices. Cons? Because it's Apple, they say you pay for quality, and that is definitely what you get. LibreOffice. Back in the day when Microsoft Word was first launched, there was no other competitor for it. Unfortunately, it also meant that it wasn't available for other operating systems. And so came the necessity for the invention of LibreOffice. Originally, a group of people created OpenOffice. OpenOffice is the predecessor to LibreOffice and is no longer supported. LibreOffice does work on Windows, Mac, Linux, and you can download versions of it for your mobile phones. Pros. It's fantastic. It's free. It's easy to use because it reminds us all of, of Microsoft Word um, or Google Docs or Apple Pages. It's not just a simple word processor and it gives you bundles of options straight out of the box. It's free. It's open source and you can download it from the internet without having to pay a single thing.
LibreOffice typically formats their files as .odt, but can be exported to PDFs, RTFs, DOCX, and loads of other formats. LibreOffice is great for writing books. Bad things I'd say about LibreOffice? To be fair, nothing really comes to mind. Scrivener. Available from literatureandlatte.com, great name for a website, you can download Scrivener. This software is available for Windows, and there's also a Mac OS variant. Back in the past, there was a Linux app. However, that's been discontinued. If you do manage to find it, and it is out there, it's actually a great piece of beta software. And when you have Linux mode enabled in Chrome OS, you can run Scrivener on that too. So it is possible to have Scrivener running on a Linux or a Google Chrome machine. So, what does Scrivener do and what makes it so great? Well, what doesn't it do? It's literally writing software created by writers. When you first start off writing in Scrivener, you met with options to create a novel, or a blank, or non-fiction novel, or other formats. Once you open a blank document, you're presented with a blank page and a view pane on the left side. This view pane is also an action pane called the binder. It's where you can put your chapters and notes, book covers and outline. In fact, pretty much everything for the structure of your book can go in the binder. The main stuff you write, however, goes in the right hand pane called the editing pane or the editing window. There are all sorts of other tools from word counts to to name generators, goal creation, and much, much more. In fact, it can get quite overwhelming to start off with, and there's a fairly high learning curve. But don't let that put you off, however, because once you've gone through the tutorial, you'll soon be writing books with it. You do have to pay for it, and in the UK, it's around £45 as a one-off payment and you get to use the software forever. There are occasional updates and all the stuff you see on screen and each individual setting you change is neatly saved into one single .scriv file. So, no need to worry about losing parts of your manuscript when you move files from one computer to another. And saving the settings per file means that you get to tweak it every single time you use it whilst working with your current project and you can open the .scriv file on a different computer with the exact same settings. There is an iOS version for your phone and iPad, but due to the complexities of writing software for the Android system, there is no version available for Android and the software creators have said there aren't any plans for the future either. On a side note, if you plan on downloading Scrivener, for macOS, then I highly suggest you download it from the official website because it contains extras that Apple restricts upon submission to the App Store. One last thing, you can download and have a play with it for free for 30 days. And that's not the typical 30 days from when you install it, 
but actually 30 days of using it. So if you say go from one month to another and you use it and you've only used it once before, then you're only on day two. So that's fantastic. Pros and cons. This is a fantastic, phenomenal piece of software. It saves to EPUB, DOCX, and lots of other file formats. The cons, yeah, you've got to pay that 45 quid, but the good thing about it is it gives you that 30 days free first. So if you don't like it and it goes way over your head because uh, there really is a large learning curve for this piece of software, the good thing is you don't have to actually pay for it. However, once you have paid for it, you can just carry on writing and writing and writing with it. The good thing about it being available for mobile devices is that you can save your files using Dropbox, for example. However, this comes with a caveat, and I cannot stress this more than enough. Do not open the same file on two separate devices at the same time, because this is where Scrivener will throw all sorts of errors. Uh, it tries to deal with these errors by downloading all of the files. But to be perfectly honest, you'd be better off just using one device at a time. There is a very large learning curve to this piece of software. So just bear that in mind before you try it out. MS Word 365. Over the years, there have been many versions of Microsoft Office, which have included many changes to Microsoft Word. In this episode, I'll be talking about Word 365, which is, at the moment, the most up-to-date version. In the past, Microsoft used to bring out Office updates every three years in a form of a CD you could use to install the updated software, and you would pay for the privilege. These days, to make sure everyone is on the same version, once you go into Microsoft Word 365, all of the updates will be sent to you online. And instead of paying hundreds of pounds for a piece of software, you get to pay just a small amount per month, which also includes some online space to be able to store your stuff in. I've been using Word since Windows 95, and I've seen so many changes from the original Word processor to the cloud-based version of today. As well as being able to use Word in the browser, you can also download the software from the Microsoft Store and this will unlock various other options. Notably, one of the best differences is that you can create offline documents and have your manuscript read to you, which is very useful when you're self-editing. Windows 10 and Windows 11 now come with OneDrive as part of the install and connect your laptop or computer to your online storage. This means that one password fits all for your laptop login and you're also logged into your OneDrive account straight away. Once you've set up Windows in this way, your OneDrive storage account is a great way to save your documents online. And when you're using MS Word, you can simply enable this by flicking the auto save switch in the top left corner of Microsoft Word to the on state. As I said earlier, you can use MS Office from any browser. This gives you instant access to all your documents and online versions of MS Word, Excel, and various other programs. 
What this gives you is the opportunity to create documents, edit them with the built-in editor, print, create styles, interactive outlines, so you can jump around seamlessly in your document. Word counts, smart lookup for your reference materials, links, versioning, so you can go back to earlier versions and much, much more. It also gives you the opportunity to be able to access your documents in any browser, except the Linux terminal browsers on Windows, Linux, Chrome, Mac and more, which is a feature that wasn't available on previous versions of Microsoft Office. The autosave is crisp and literally saves within seconds as you type. There are other features such as dictation and outlining, which help you to be able to create your documents with ease. Pros and cons? Pros, you get Word, Excel, Access, PowerPoint, OneNote, OneDrive and lots, lots more, depending on which package you go for. There are literally millions of tutorials online, especially on YouTube. The cons, yeah, you have to pay, but it's not actually that much. For around the price of a cup of coffee, you can get access to this software suite and be able to start writing your document straight away. Microsoft OneNote. Now, you might think that a notes application would be a strange piece of software for writing a book, but MS OneNote is one such app that proves that theory wrong, and I know several authors who use it as their main software for writing. As well as being able to write and format notes, you can also add collections to notebooks and have them saved on the cloud. This makes it easy to organise your collection and move stuff around. One of the best parts of this app is the way you can just pick up from where you left it and rearrange things. It's a fantastic tool for just jotting down ideas and then later when you've got a whole bunch of notes you can rearrange them in the order you like. Expand them as much as you like and when they get too large add chapter titles between them. Then get ready to publish by converting to a Word doc and going from there. Obsidian. What is Obsidian I hear you ask? Obsidian is fairly new, but it's vastly becoming one of the best pieces of software I've ever seen. Another notes app. This one is literally hitting the world by storm because of its unique features and the fact that it's completely free to download and use. Once you've got past the minimalist interface, you can find so much more underneath. With the ability to create characters, templates, world building and much more, you can download the long form plugin through the community plugins section and just crank out your story. This app works on Windows, iOS, Android, Linux, Chrome and Mac OS and saves all of its files to your local hard drive, making it a great way to save your files without an internet connection. There is, however, no cloud-based version. But this doesn't stop you adding your Obsidian Vault, where the place where you store your notes, to a sync service like OneDrive, Google Drive, Dropbox, iCloud, etc. And then you can sync with various devices. 
the files are written in Markdown language. And because they are text files, they are super tiny, making this really easy to back up with minimal space. It has a blazing fast search facility. And once you enable the community plugins, you can really get under the hood of Obsidian, turning it from a simple looking notes app to a story creating machine. With a few tweaks, you can even create progress bars and much, much more. This app also has an incredible dark mode theme, which allows you to crank out that word count with minimal strain on your eyes, especially good for all you night owls. Pros and cons? Pros, it's free. You can't get better than that. It saves your stuff to your computer and you can use it in a sync service. The cons? It does have quite a high learning curve. However, if you're used to using Markdown language, then you should be able to get along with this quite easily. Atticus. The folks over at Atticus.io have brought out a piece of writing software, which is online. The great thing about this is it's available in your web browser, which means virtually every operating system can use it. It's also very feature rich with writing goals, word counts, formatting tools, and much, much more. Atticus isn't just a writing software though. With a click of one mouse, you can go straight through to their formatting section, which enables you to be able to choose the style of fonts that you'd like to use for your book, add pictures, customize various other things like custom page breaks, and much, much more. Atticus does cost money. However, this is one charge for lifetime access. And once you've paid, you don't have to worry about doing anything in future. As with other cloud-based services, however, they are all susceptible to the possibility of what if. What if you don't have a network connection? What, what if you lose your internet connection? What if their company goes offline? Living Writer. Living Writer is very similar to Atticus, except I would say Living Writer is Atticus complete because you see Atticus is still in beta mode where Living Writer does everything that Atticus does and more, but still has the same sort of things. You still get the feature rich writing environment, lots of options in the formatting pane, and you still get all the goals and various other things that you would get with Atticus. With Atticus, you are charged once for lifetime access. There are no monthly charges. With Living Writer, you can pay monthly. Great, especially if you want to write a book and just carry on writing. There is a lifetime, there is a lifetime access charge. However, it's very expensive. The last time I looked, I think it was about $399. Calibre. This is not generally seen as a piece of book writing software, and most users consider it as a tool for uploading books to your favorite e-reader. Simply connect your lead from laptop to e-reader and use the interface to upload books. However, it is possible to use this software to write your books. It's free and it's available on Windows, macOS and Linux, but unfortunately not on mobile devices. If you want to find out more about Calibre and writing books, 
then pop over to YouTube and have a look at some of the videos. Manuscript. Now that's manuscript with a K. M-A-N-U-S-K-R-I-P-T. Manuscript is a lovely piece of software. It looks very similar to Scrivener in some ways. Big difference from Manuscript is it's primarily created to be used on Linux, but you can use it on Windows. Manuscript is a perfect tool for those who like to organize and plan everything before writing. The Snowflake method can help you grow your idea into a book by leading you step by step and asking you questions to go deeper and deeper. You get timeline goals, you get a cork board, just like Scrivener. You get a binder pane on the left with all of the included materials and the editing pane is on the right. To install manuscript in Linux, simply open up your terminal and type in sudo apt install manuscript. Then press enter. Type in your password and within seconds, Manuscript will have installed itself to your menu. Click on the menu option and you're good to go. Zoho Docs. Zoho Docs is very, very similar to Google Docs. For those of you who worry that Google might be stealing your data, then check out Zoho Docs today. Zoho Docs also have apps for Android and iOS. There are literally hundreds of other apps out there and I could spend all day covering them, especially the mobile apps. This list is just a few of the literally hundreds of apps I've tried to see what would work for me. If, like me, you are unsure, simply save your document as a .doc or .odt format and try out a different piece of software until you find something you like. For those of you wondering what I use, I'm a huge Scrivener fan, but I also enjoy writing in Google Docs and Microsoft Word because of the ease of use on my mobile phone and the fact that I don't always have to lug around my laptop. It makes things easier knowing that I can just type anytime then put my work back in my pocket. And when I get back to my writing space, I can simply switch on my computer and carry on. So, if you love this show and want to become an official fan, you can for just £3 a month. By signing up, you get a shout-out on the show, access to the private community on Patreon, and that great feeling of happiness, knowing that you're helping to support an independent author. Simply pop over to www.patreon.com slash the authors podcast about and show your support today. Your task for today is to try out something you haven't yet used. Perhaps there will be something that does the task better than what you already use. And today's question of the week is which software do you use? And what's the best thing you like about it? Next week's episode will be the author's podcast about writing hardware and how you can choose a computer, laptop or mobile device for writing your book. So don't forget to tune in next week. And, and until then, keep tapping.
that's all for this week. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to click that subscribe button now. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this podcast, don't forget to share the word. And I will see you next week for some more Authors Podcast About. Goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.